Hello everybody, welcome to the UK Packers podcast As usual, I'm your host at Steve Diddy NFL on Twitter Just off a hiatus, I went into a hibernation there during the bye week Very rarely ever do it, but I did it But anyway, we're back with a bang um, So we've had some great guests so far this season And this is a guy who I've been looking to talk to for a very long time uh, It's been a long time coming, and it is Matt Schneidman from The Athletic But before we introduce Matt, it's a quick snaps episode So we gotta hit him with a bit of clicking <laughs> I'm doing it. Matt, I'm doing it. You doing it? I'm doing it. Uh, it might not be that loud, but I'm trying. <laughs> it's okay. Matt, when he does it, does not do it loud. But me and Matt like to do it together. So, Matt, innuendo aside, first off, how are you? And welcome to the UK Packers podcast. And second off, I heard this intro today, and it's really corny, but because I'm a dad, it's brilliant. It's like a dad joke. I said, I hope you're staying positive and testing negative. Is that the case for you, Matt? I'm trying. First of all, thank you guys for having me. I, I love what you guys do. It's an honor to be on with you guys. And hello to all your listeners. And yeah, I'm trying to stay as positive as possible. Um, and I have tested negative every single day since the start of training camp. There you go. You are undefeated when it comes to COVID like the Packers are this regular season. It all ties together so goddamn nicely. Um, Matt, your articles are second to none. Uh, you're on The Athletic and uh, it's always a great read. And I want to let you know, I am a full paying member of The Athletic. I didn't get onto the whole pay a dollar for, you know, 10 years. I paid the full whack, Matt. Are you proud when you hear someone does that? I'm honoured. That Honestly, to get not to get too sentimental, but it's people like you that is that why we do what we do. I mean, people are willing to pay to read what I write. I, I would have never thought anyone would ever do that in my life. So I can't thank you enough. And hopefully we're making you feel and, and all the other subscribers feel like uh, your money's worth it with our coverage throughout the season. Yeah, 100%, Matt, I have to say. Uh, we had Michael Cohen on, which was, uh, he covered the Packers before you, great content, and then you come on board. And of course, it's like if you walk into an Irish pub, you walk in the door and everyone stares at you and goes, what's this fella all about? But Matt, you've, you've knocked her socks off now with the content, uh, not to get too uh, schmoozy on the podcast. Um, but yeah, it's great stuff. And the thing is, is when you are in your position, which you're behind a paywall, I guess there's that sort of paranoia there that you have to raise your game to that certain level. Um, and I do want to delve into that, but it's a quick snap episode, so we don't have all that long. Now, Matt, there's one, there's a confession I have to make, right? Um, every time I talk about you on our podcast, I always sort of, uh, it's because of your second name is Schneidman, which is super German. Um, in my eyes, it's maybe it's Austrian because my second name is O'Brien. So I am a super paddy. So I always introduce you as the lead singer of Rammstein. Um, and I come up with some other stuff just about how German you are. Please tell me that you're like first generation German or something, or you're going to hit me with, that's not the case at all. No, I think I am. It's German. It's my grandfather's obviously it's my grandfather's last name and he uh was of german descent i think so yeah it originates from from germany right you would be correct brilliant um, it's a sigh of relief because i was slagging jason wildy off because i said his name was jason wild for ages got him on the podcast and got down to it and turns <laughs> out his name isn't wild at all it's wildy because it's dutch not irish so egg on my face so i'm glad to hear that so i can't let you go uh, the whole ancestry route without asking is there an irish influence there i know schneidman isn't a very typical awfully name but i mean is there anything on the female lineage that you can sort of claim that you're a paddy like me uh, you're good you nailed it right on the head my mom's side of the family is 
25% Irish. Um, so I do have some Irish in me. Brilliant. Uh, we, we love a good, I'm going to sound like an idiot saying this, but we love a good St. Paddy's day. We love, you know, all the Irish celebrations and, um, yeah, you would be right in saying that it comes from the female side of my family. See, there you go. I mean, I don't know what sort of the Irish that you got because we've Oscar Wilde, you know, Samuel Beckett. I could go down the long line of Irish uh, literature. So you either got the literature sort of stuff from the Irish or you're secretly, you know, the Schotsky champion 2017. I, I don't know which one it is, but we won't pry. Let's get on to the uh, the coverage with The Athletic, uh, Matt. So your article is very well put together. Uh, you're obviously, you know, very good at what you do. What brought you to The Athletic? Because surely as a journalist, that's the that's the pinnacle right that's the top-notch job that you want a job in sports journalism and also with an outfit like the athletic what was your journey to the athletic was it always something that you were kind of aiming for that sort of job uh, to cover sports and also that structure behind the paywall kind of thing yeah so i went to college to to cover sports and i was at syracuse university in, in new york from 2013 to 2017 yeah and wrote for the student newspaper there the daily orange basically wrote about everything and covered everything from softball to women's ice hockey to, to cross country to foot, American football to me, soccer to you know, men's basketball. And after I graduated, I knew I wanted to get into sports writing and I felt that I had done enough to earn a career in that. So I did an internship right after I graduated with a paper called the Buffalo News up in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Basically, as a general assignment sports reporter covering everything from local golf tournaments to uh, their minor league baseball team in town to uh, off-season camp for uh, the Buffalo Sabres hockey team and stuff like that, and some Buffalo Bills training camp. And then three months into my internship, this was July or September 2017, I got a job covering the Oakland Raiders for a newspaper called uh, the Mercury News in uh, the Bay Area in California. So I did that for two years, covered the Raiders, traveled to all their games, um, covered them, was there every day. And then I got an offer for once Michael, I actually know Michael Cohen because he went to Syracuse as well. So we've known each other for a while. And after he left this job that I currently have, there was an opening and the athletic reached out because I I had known Lisa Wilson and to get, too into the weeds here, but uh, Lisa Wilson was the head NFL editor at The Athletic, and she was the woman who hired me at the Buffalo News. And so she had sent onto The Athletic, and she reached out because she knew what I was all about. And uh, The Athletic offered me this job covering the Packers. So um, I love it, and I've been here since July of 2019. And and you know. My thing as a journalist is you want to cover a team that's either really, really bad or really, really good because <laughs> you want to cover a team that you want to cover a team that's relevant. Yeah, because that's the way most people will care. Whether if fans are really angry or really happy, they'll read and everything. If they're kind of middle of the pack, eight and eight, they they don't really care. So the Raiders were on one end of the spectrum. The Packers are on the other end, obviously, mm. on the good end. So it, it's been a, a good situation for me here. And it's a weird one for you too from like covering as a journalist because Jason Wildey talks about it all the time the fact that he's not a Packers fan he's a journalist. How do you find yourself now covering the Packers? Do you find yourself leaking into fandom? Are you sort of wearing the Rogers jersey while you're penning your pieces or are, do you have to remain uh, completely neutral to the whole thing to cover it properly do you think? Yeah I think you have to remain objective and the way I look at it is we don't root for the team to win we root for the story 
And as corn, as corny as that is, I mean, you, there's a, gr- a, a great story. We don't root for injuries, obviously, mm. but uh, the Packers falling apart and losing every single game for the rest of the season would be a phenomenal story because it's how the hell did they just collapse? I'm not rooting for them to lose, but that would be a good story. On the other end, if they win the Super Bowl, that would be a phenomenal story. Am I rooting for them to win the Super Bowl as a fan? No, but it's like when I covered Syracuse basketball. I grew up a huge Syracuse fan because my dad went to Syracuse. And when I covered the team in 2016 as a junior, they became the first ever number 10 seed in the NCAA tournament to make the Final Four. I wasn't rooting for them to win as a fan, but I wanted them to go farther because the better story would be this Cinderella team going farther and my name as a student journalist getting more exposure on a national stage. Same goes for now. The farther the Packers go and the better they are, the more exposure I get as a 25-year-old journalist. So that's more so what I'm rooting for. I guess in a way, you know, by the transitive property, you could say I'm rooting for them to win, but I wouldn't call it that. I would say I'm rooting for a good story. And if a good story is them keeping on winning, I would be fine with that. Yeah, which is weird. I mean, the people that listen to us are all fans, obviously. So when they when you hear that, you're like, oh, God. But when you realize that, you know, you're a professional, this is your job is to cover the story, cover the news, get the people to read it and everything else. It makes sense because what always struck me was when I talked to I talk to Mark Murphy pretty much every year. We go over and he comes down and we have a chat. And it's weird to think that, like, he's the president and CEO, yet he's a Buffalo Bills fan because, you know, that's where he was raised and how he grew up. So it's yeah. it's that interesting thing to look at just because you work at the organization and then I make the mistake all the time of talking to people within the organization as if they're fans and then I realize no they're professional people from out of town they come in and get a job uh, and all that kind of stuff uh, before we get onto the books there's one thing that I want to ask you and it's something that Rob Domofsky uh, raised on the podcast when he was on uh, before the bye week for the Falcons game and he talked about that everybody has access journalistically to the Zoom calls um, and it's it's trying to find that edge to write something that people want to read that's new now you have that extra pressure don't you because you know people pay for the subscription and it's almost like if you're releasing stuff for free well then you know I don't there's always like Rob Domofsky is an unbelievable everyone who covers a beat has an unbelievable standard it's not that the standard drops if it's for free but certainly do you feel that extra pressure Matt that people are paying for the subscription that you have to come at it from a different angle and how do you draw the line between releasing good content and making sure it isn't too contrived because you're trying so hard to come up with stuff now that seemingly the journalists now I know you probably have a little bit of extra access there um, but all of the journalists have an awful lot of access to the player interviews that you can't mill around the locker room chatting personally and um, how do you sort of uh, approach your content in that way yeah that's a fantastic question um i definitely do feel a little bit of pressure to um produce i mean i, I always try and produce the best content on the beat but mm. you know for example rob's some of Rob's stories you don't have to pay for some of the journal Sentinel or green Bay press Gazette you don't have to pay for some of Wildey's stories you don't have to pay for, Yeah, you know, pretty much all of mine you have to pay for. And, and that's why I feel the need to come up with different ideas that people aren't getting anywhere else to, to bring a little personality to it, um, to, to give people a sense that they're paying not only for the writing, but paying like they're, they're getting closer to, um, the writer, if that makes sense. Yeah. And that's why I like doing the live Q and A's and the mailbags, because I feel like readers want to get as close to the team as possible. And if they're talking directly, if they feel like they're talking directly to 
someone who's there every day and someone who is literally close to the team as possible, mm. then that makes them more, not only more educated as a fan, but they enjoy that more. So that's why we put such an emphasis on connecting with our subscribers through Q and A's and live chats and mailbags. So I, I would say uh, that is a big part of what I do uh, to make people feel like their subscription's worth it. And then also, you know, thinking out, we're big on thinking outside the box, you know, other companies, and I'm not saying this is a bad way to do it. Like I, I did this when I was working at the newspaper covering the Raiders, you put out multiple stories a day sometimes because people, there is a constant need for that information hmm. at the athletic. I probably write once every other day because, uh, I think our subscribers understand that we're more quality over quantity and I'm not saying the other outlets don't have quality, but uh, they know that when they subscribe to us, they're getting stories that are well thought out, not rushed, and they're fine with that. And, and I think when you subscribe to The Athletic, that's what you're going to get. It, it, maybe you won't get a write-up on the injury report every day, hmm. but you'll get you know, uh, a stock report that you're not getting anywhere else or a beat writer Q&A with the opposing team's beat writer that you're not getting or a different look at a game or a feature story that no one else has. So to, to long story short, we try to do things different because we do think there is pressure to make our subscribers feel that their money's worth it. Yeah. And look, I'm, I'm not sponsored to say this. I actually pay, as I said at the top of the show, full whack for it. And I think it's, it's well worth it. The Q and A stuff is really good. And I think your personality does come across. Uh, we could get into a whole mire of, you know, this need for people that when the minute the Packers sign somebody, they release some article that just says the Packers just signed somebody and that's it. And it doesn't offer any value. It's just to sort of put an article out there to say that it's out there. Some people see value in it. Some people don't when they have alerts. But um, I know you're a very, very busy man. You need to get uh, to Packers practice, uh, which is shortly. And it is the Quick Snaps episode about the book. So if we can just turn our attention uh, to the books for now. Uh, really high level I guess when you look at this Bucks team they're seen as a team that are dangerous I looked at the Falcons game and I sort of thought you know it's one of and again I know the thinking like this got lambasted online because everyone goes to the Twitter alley when they want uh, real wisdom uh, is that the Falcons could have been a banana skin game and that was because of their offensive firepower and the Packers seemingly up to that point um, had reaped dividends from going up early in games and then their defense could make one or two splash plays and then close the game out um, with this Bucks game as well, Matt, we can't fool ourselves into thinking that Brady's washed up and forgetful. He's has senile moments um, and they're a no good team because they're without some key players. Would you agree that this is a seriously dangerous team? And can you give us sort of a general overview of what you're looking at from the Bucks and what the danger areas are in this upcoming game? Yeah, what I'm and listen, I watched that Bucks bears game last weekend or last Thursday and said, how is this Bucks team going to contend for the NFC championship? I mean, yeah. but then I think you can't ever put anything past Tom Brady. He, we've been doubting him for the last five, 10 years and he continues to win. Yeah. I thought of the Falcons game as a trap game because the Packers defense had been leaky and uh, you know, the Falcons have a pretty good offense, but the Packers have proven like, this was the case last year for that Eagles game in week four. It kind of felt similar. Like the Packers on paper should win, yeah. but it was a trap game. The Eagles won and the Packers flipped up. I thought that could be the Falcons game. You know, I'm getting the sense that the Packers, they're going to lose a game here and there because that's just how the NFL works. But, you know, 
I think they're more equipped to not have those mental lapses for an entire game. So when I look at the Bucks game, the Packers should win on paper. Yeah. But the Bucks have, you know, I know Mike Evans didn't practice. Uh, Chris Godwin's banged up. But if the Bucks are healthy with Evans, Godwin, Gronkowski, even though he's a shell of his former self with Brady, Bucks have a really good defense. Yeah. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if the Bucks won. I think the Packers will win because until they lose, I'm not going to pick them to lose because Aaron Rodgers and the offensive line and a couple stars on defense have given me no reason to think that they should lose. Mm. But it, it'll be a tough game. And uh, I, I think the Packers, like I said, will will win, not convincingly, but I think they'll win. But this will, I think, be their toughest test of the season. Yeah, um, it's and for me again. I mean, the you know the, the expectation for me is is like you. They go in, they smash them. Uh, they definitely get the win. Some parts of it's probably grizzly or whatever. But as you said, there's games you just never know how they're gonna go. I just wonder how the the Packers Twitter sphere and everyone else will cope with a Packers loss when it does come. Because as you've alluded to before, um, it will come. Um, and it'll come for numerous reasons. But, um, you've been around uh, the team now. Um, and you've seen Matt Lafleur sort of. Uh, I guess growth in front of the camera first off how he carries himself and also his playbook his record as a coach is unbelievable and he could break some more records if he wins this game certainly equal the best um, when you look at Matt LaFleur because last season uh, was not Matt that everyone was saying like with the Bears that oh we're playing we're punching above our weight we shouldn't be winning so many games whereas everyone's pretty convinced now and you called out Robert Tanyan as the sort of guy to watch for the Falcons game and that came true are you confident that Matt LaFleur is an expert play caller and that he can you know create weapons and mismatches wherever he wants now or do you think that the Packers have just got out to a pretty hot start and it'll all come back to the median as we progress through the season I think LaFleur deserves more credit than he's getting. Uh, I think people look at the guys he has and say, oh, you have Aaron Rodgers. Like, he's the one who should get all the credit. And while you're justified in saying that, Matt LaFleur is the one calling plays. And even though Rodgers has the ability to change them at the line of scrimmage, Rodgers is a very honest person, I would think, most of the time. Yeah. And he has given Matt LaFleur plenty of credit for the way he dials things up and, and calls plays. And LaFleur has been very imaginative with some of the things he's done. Hmm. And whether that's using Tyler Irvin in motion or, you know, getting the most out of Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams as pass catchers, you know, he's done some really nice things that have had their imprint on this offense that, yeah, it's the player's job to execute, but the ideas come from LaFleur. And while some ideas may come from Rodgers, Rodgers wouldn't be heaping all this praise on the floor if, if he didn't have something to do with it. So the record speaks for itself. You know, think what you want about him, about how, how guarded he is about injuries and how non-detailed he is about some things on Zoom calls. But the dude deserves credit for what he's done as an offensive line. Yeah. Yeah, certainly to me. And again, I always sort of state that I'm the body language expert here at UK Packers, but certainly he seems to have grown into the role both as a leader in front of the camera about what he will and won't say and then his body language on the field. And as you said, his rapport with Aaron Rodgers as well. Now, look, I know we're tied for time. So I guess the last question then is, if you're predicting the Packers to win, uh, what are two or three reasons why you think the Packers will get that win and who do you expect big performances from on the night? Yeah, I think one area they can take advantage is and this might sound obvious, but is Devontae Adams being back and healthy because the weakness of the Buccaneers defense is probably their young secondary. They have a, one of the best run defenses in the league. 
They lost Vita Vea, their their star defensive tackle for the season, but they still have a pretty good run defense. Yeah, uh, Levante David and Devin White are two really good inside linebackers. Shaq Barrett is their edge rusher who led the league in, or yeah, I believe led the league in sacks last year, if not second to Chandler Jones. But they have a couple of young guys in the secondary, and we've seen against the Lions, against the Vikings, how Aaron Rodgers can take advantage of of young defensive backs. So with Devontae Adams back and those young guys in the secondary, I think that's area one where they can exploit some things. I think play action is obviously been something that's been huge for the Packers. And you got to have a running game like the Packers have to be able to sell it. And for as good as the Bucks run defense and their linebackers are, if you're getting them to think that, that you're going to run the ball and then you open things up for Robert Tanyan over the middle, I think that's number two where you can really take advantage. Number three, and this is something I, I saw when I watched the Bucks bears game last Thursday. Tristan Wirfs is a really good offensive lineman. I, the Bucks starting right tackle, the rookie first rounder. Yeah. Uh, and, and Dotson, I believe his name is, is the, is the left tackle. Or no, Donovan Smith, I believe it is. The left tackle uh, veteran. He's in his 30s, mid-30s. This Bucks offensive line does not inspire confidence in, in, in someone watching them. And uh, I know Preston Smith hasn't generated the pressures that you'd expect, but Zedario seems to be finding his groove. Yeah. And I think if they can get pressure on Brady, he's not like a, a Mahomes or a, or a Jackson or <laughs> even a Rodgers who, who can create as much anymore outside of the pocket. So if yeah. they, they can get pressure on him, that pocket's going to collapse real quick and Brady's not going to get out of there. So I would say that Devontae on a young corner matchup, Tanyan over the middle, uh, establishing play action and Zedarius and Preston getting pressure on a less than mobile Tom Brady are my three keys to the Packers winning. Money in the bank. Uh, there you go. And I guess we can replay that on the podcast when we break down exactly what happens in the game and you look like an absolute genius. Matt Schneidman of The Athletic. Uh, is there anywhere else people can find you or do you want people to go across there and hit up your Twitter account? Have you got any sort of secret uh, cooking shows <laughs> on YouTube or fashion outlets or something you want to plug? I don't know. I mean, you know where to find me. I'm at The Athletic on Twitter, just my name, and, and appreciate you guys for having me on and appreciate anyone who follows and reads. It means the world. It really does. Absolutely, anytime. And again, well, I have sort of this brain trust going on. Nagler wants to come over to Ireland. Uh, Wes Hotcoots want to come over. So match Nyman, you can jump on that ticket and we can all have a good shindig uh, when I get you over to the Emerald Isle. But again, thanks for your time today, Matt, and a big, massive Go Pack Go, and good luck in Tampa uh, with the team. Appreciate it. Thanks so much.